0: Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with Opel, Crossland, Corsa, and Mocha. Three good reasons to visit the Opel Open Road Event. Chief Medical Officer Dr. Tony Holohan has called on young people to make an exceptional sacrifice this Christmas and to limit as much as possible their close contact in the lead up to and over the holidays. This comes as COVID positivity rates among young adults increased sharply in the past week and new research shows that only half of people with symptoms are isolating. I'm joined now by Liam Fanning, Professor of Immunovirology in the Department of Medicine in UCC and by Dr Ilona Duffy, GP in Monaghan Town and Medical Director of North East Dock out of Arras. Thanks uh, both of you very much for joining us this morning. Liam Fanning, just four days to go now until Christmas. What do you make of this call for an exceptional sacrifice from young people?
1: Good morning, Philip. Um, I suppose I'll make a couple of things. One is, I suppose, it it reflects, I suppose, the socially active and dynamic group who who are mixing. But it also reflects the population of individuals who are largely unaffected by COVID-19 when they get it. Bear in mind that most of these would have received at least one, maybe J&J or two AstraZeneca, and some of them would have received Pfizer. So from that perspective, you know, it's going to be largely uneventful. But actually, what I would also say regarding from an immunology perspective, these individuals are actually going to end up with a kind of a hybrid type immunity where they will be very much protected from further infection. Um and I suppose the numbers that we're seeing in this particular group are probably a reflection of the capacity, sorry, of their inaccess to um, the booster campaign or to the third shot. I mean, we saw at the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, Philip, where the 18 to 35-year-olds were again called out as a group who were asked to socially restrict their movements because they uh, were getting infected at a, a very large rate while everybody else above them was being vaccinated. And we have a near-mirror image of what's going on
0: at the moment. OK, there, just let me clear up one thing here, there, because it feels unfair to ask for an exceptional sacrifice from one group and then deny them access to a booster at the same time. But are you saying that there might be a good immunovirolog- vi- virological reason for doing that? Uh, Well,
1: I don't know if that's in the thought processes of the Department of Health, uh, with respect to from a purely immunological perspective and a virological perspective. Those individuals who've been vaccinated and then end up getting infected, and they certainly have very large degrees of protection um, from Omicron. And we've seen some of the uh, the laboratory data coming out to say that they have good protection from Um, infection probably across all variants uh, with respect to COVID-19. But I don't think that's in the thought processes uh, with respect to the vaccination rollout. I think it's more that the logistics for the delivery Mm. of, of vast amounts of booster our third shot uh, were stood down and that we're still in the kind of rebuilding phase um, of
0: that. And that's okay. why we're doing... w- would it be the case then that the over 60s, the over 50s are more vulnerable and that there is therefore more pressing a case to be made for getting them boosted ahead of 20 and 30-somethings?
1: Yes, but once when you've reached the over 50s and, and there's a the very large proportion of them done, um, that it should be open to all. So all who want it can get it and therefore we won't have this condensing of uh, you know viral infections into a particular age group. But having said that, again those that are infected now with uh, this particular virus and have been vaccinated in the past with no matter what have very good immunity to probably all future mm-hmm. variants.
0: From a societal point of view though it does send an unfortunate message, doesn't it? Whatever about the immunological reasons for doing it, that the age cohort that by virtue of their economic status and position, end up in these public-facing jobs, and therefore at greater risk of getting the virus, are the very people that were then saying, "Oh, by the way, you can't get boosted."
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a puzzle really um, as to you know you know this kind of calling them out. You know, yes, okay, acknowledging that uh, there are more infections in. This, but what's interesting, really, I suppose, Philip, is that. You know, the numbers, actually, the five-day moving average has actually started to decrease quite a bit uh, over the last couple of two weeks in particular. Um, and we're at odds, really, with uh, the UK and Denmark, who've had very large numbers of liftoff when they had the same prevalence of Omicron that we have had. So there's probably some element of um, national kind of, uh, uh, it's like immunity quotient, kind of interrupting the transmission chain of Omicron. Um, in Ireland. Not to say that we won't get a lift up in numbers um, but certainly we're at a little odds with the UK and Denmark who uh, two weeks after the discovery of Omicron were already in exponential phase. We've had Omicron now here for largely three weeks or at least detectable at three weeks um, and we haven't had that lift off in numbers. Not to say that we won't get it um, but uh, back to my point, those individuals 19 to 34 who are uh, called out with the CMO will be largely will have largely uneventful um, uh, infections you know I'd be more interested in uh, the, you know the CMO drawing attention to the 52% of unvaccinated that are in ICU ah,
0: Okay so now we get down to it this is to your mind the cohort that is creating the far greater risk
1: Correct so if you look at the numbers, we're roughly floating between 105 and 106 or 7 individuals in, in ICU with COVID-19, and 53% or 50, let we'll let's say 50% of them are unvaccinated, which rounds about down to 50 numbers. That's 50 ICU beds out of a total of 300 and odd, no, odd beds. I mean, it would be, you know, and the average age of the unvaccinated in ICU is 38, compared to the vaccinated with comorbidities is 66. Now, no 38-year-old um, with a vaccine-preventable hospitalisation, you know, I mean, the vaccines give us great protection against serious disease, should end up in ICU when this vaccine is freely available.
0: Hello? Oh yep. dear. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yes. no, sorry, you yep. just disappeared there briefly no, yeah, for a sorry.
1: second. So, you know, this vaccine is freely available and we shouldn't end up with 50 beds uh, occupied by unvaccinated individuals. That is the bigger issue, as I see it.
0: What um, would we you had... do there, though, Liam? Because mandatory vaccination is beset with all kinds of probably even greater problems.
1: No, it is. But I, I, I see no, ha- no, no, no that that shouldn't be a reason for not having a discussion about how we can kind of uh, reduce the unvaccinated burden on ICU. Uh, Let's have a discussion about it. I'm not saying that we should necessarily. It's only 6% of the adult population that are unvaccinated. And that's a disproportionate percentage in ICU. uh, Maybe, Maybe I'm
0: being a little bit obtuse here, but what is the major discussion to be had there about how you do that apart from mandatory vaccinations?
1: Well, I, I suppose it's a matter of like, look, the unvaccinated are not a homogenous group. They're not just one particular uh, type of individual. You know, of the non-born Irish, uh, 84% of the non-born Irish in ICU, uh, sorry, 84% of the non-born Irish are unvaccinated uh, in ICU. So we clearly have um, uh, a non-born Irish population that uh, haven't bought into the value okay, of getting back. Okay, so vaccine. poor, so have poor some success
0: rates in reaching out to ethnic minorities um, but what percentage of those people have taken an ideological position do you understand?
1: I, 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 um, oh, I wouldn't have an answer to okay, that, um, Philip. Uh, no, I think you well, need behavioural
0: scientists in on that one. OK, well, and we're going to be talking to one a little bit later on in the programme. Let me bring in Dr Ilona Duffy here. Uh, Ilona, it's really important here to highlight that this Amoric research says that, that that suggests that half of people who have symptoms are not isolating refers to half of all people, not just young people. Does that mirror what you're seeing in your surgery?
2: Unfortunately, Philip, it does. I think... Uh, It was highlighted, I think, just earlier last week, that if you got COVID today, you'd be in lockdown, you'd be in isolation for Christmas. And while that was a good message to try telling people that they needed to be really careful, restrict their movements, and maybe limit their contacts in case they met somebody with COVID and therefore got infected themselves, it also highlighted the fact that if you tested positive, therefore if you reported your symptoms, that you would end up with a positive result and therefore um, perhaps not being able to have Christmas dinner with your family and friends.
0: so are you seeing less people Coming forward to you now.
2: Well, I was on call on Sunday in the GP out of ours and normally um, we would be inundated with calls from people with respiratory type symptoms. And I have to say, it was my quietest session in in two years. And I do feel that people are holding back. I think what we've also got to remember is that because people are vaccinated, and because also we know with the Omicron ver, uh, variant that symptoms tend to be mild, that people are ignoring mild symptoms. Uh, you know, the the message has always been about the cough, about um, you know temperatures. But we now know that the Omicron variant especially seems to present with upper respiratory symptoms. So that is a sniffle. That is the head cold type things. And many people with a head cold will have a mild cough. So I think many people are kind of excusing away the cough and the symptoms mm. by saying it's simply a head cold. And they're not reporting those symptoms and therefore they're not going okay. for testing.
0: Ilona, at the risk of getting you to repeat yourself then, please take us through what the symptoms that are and should be reportable now.
2: So number one, if you have any symptoms, do not rely on an antigen test, arrange to have a PCR test done. The symptoms that you should be concerned about are any cough, and that includes if you're somebody with a history of asthma and just get a flare-up or chronic bronchitis, any flare of your existing respiratory disease. If you have upper respiratory symptoms such as sinus congestion, sore throat, or any temperature above 38 degrees, and in children we're also including those with gastroenteritis, so the vomiting and diarrhea, and conjunctivitis in children as well seems to be one of the presenting signs. So I think the thing is err on the side of caution. If you have any symptoms, remember this isn't just about you. It's about the fact that if you have COVID, you are spreading it to others and you're putting them at risk.
0: And if I have been boosted and have any of those symptoms, or if indeed I have been COVID positive in the course of the last, let's just say, three months, can I afford to disregard those symptoms?
2: I think the the feeling is that if you've had COVID in the last three months, then those symptoms, it's unlikely that you've COVID and we're not testing you. But even if you're boosted and and, and have had all your vaccines, you've had your three vaccines, you still can meet this this virus and become infected with it. It's unlikely you're going to become very ill. But the reality of it is there is a possibility that if you're symptomatic, you're going to pass um, the virus on to others close to you. So I think don't ignore the symptoms. Get yourself tested. And remember, it has to be a PCR test if you're symptomatic.
0: Liam, what would suggestions would you make right now in terms of people's mask wearing? The vast, vast majority of us out and about are reliant on those really rather flimsy surgical masks. Should we be upping our game?
1: Well, look, I'm, I suppose you know uh, it's between practicality and actually, you know, uh, what's the best mask? I suppose the, the best mask, um, as Dr. Duffy will know, is the FFP3 mask, but like they're not practical from a population perspective. And if you step down, then it's the second level mask, FFP2, uh, which gives more protection from actually um, picking up the okay. infection. But is, even is, a is, sorry, mask, just one
0: second, just for the point of view of clarity, is is FFP2 the same as N95? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: like even a reg- even a normal, those surgical masks that we've all seen everybody wear, you know, they will give you, uh, you know, if you are infected and you have a mask, it will drastically cut down on your capacity to transmit that virus for two reasons. One is the little droplets that you expel when you talk, when you talk and cough, uh, get caught uh, in the mask or the electrostatic kind of uh, interaction between the droplets and the, the mask will actually, it will stay on the mask and it won't pass through it if it's fitted properly. And if you're wearing a mask, I think the, the figures are you're around 40% less likely to pick up an infection by wearing the mask. Because as you inhale the air through a properly fitting mask, it essentially filters it and the viruses get stuck electrostatically or are absorbed onto the mask. And that's why masks should be chained frequently. and you know keep your hands as much as possible away from the mask.
0: Look, it kind of goes without saying that none of us should be heading off and doing the 12 pubs of Christmas in the next couple of days But what should we be doing on Christmas Day? Because, frankly, it's unrealistic, really, to expect people to spend six or seven hours in each other's company with all the windows open in the living room. Correct.
1: So, I mean, well, actually, I think the planning needs to start before Christmas Day, maybe even today. You know, do, do an antigen test today and do it daily. You know, if you've been out maybe since last Saturday, just have a look around at your social contacts. Are any of them actually isolating or waiting a PCR result? And if they are, then make your own risk assessment with respect to kind of what you do if you've, you've been in direct indirect
0: contact with them. OK, the so, so do you, do you mean literally going to the extent, Liam, of dropping a text to people that you were in the company of two, three days ago and say, how are you feeling? And I don't mean yeah, emotionally. Uh,
1: I, I, because we know this is a you know a very transmissible virus, be it Delta or Omicron, um, and it's more transmissible in, in, in unventilated or poorly ventilated indoor settings. Just send them a text. You know, everybody well. I'm meeting Granny or I'm meeting someone I you know, and uh, I'd like to know if I have need to be concerned. And do an antigen test daily. Because remember, the antigen test will pick up when you're more than likely you know when you have high amounts of virus. In other words, you have the capacity to transmit on this virus. So do it today and every day between now and do a Christmas morning before you go out and meet individuals. Um, And as Dr. Duffy said, obviously, if you're symptomatic, well, then you take a different pathway. But, you know, protect others um, by protecting yourself and do frequent antigen testing. That's it. And, you know, be aware of what your friends are doing, who you're meeting. Ask them, have they done an antigen test? You know, these simple little practical things which are a little bit of discomfort but actually give, you know, um, a valuable interpretation and risk assessment for individuals before they can
0: meet. So N95 or FFP2 masks, texture contacts of the last mm-hmm. couple of days, daily antigen tests. Is there anything that you'd add to that, Alona Duffy?
2: No, I think, I think that's excellent advice. I think myself, that's what I've done with the few people I've been meeting. Um, it is antigen tests. So everybody agrees to do them before meeting and ensure that nobody's symptomatic. So I think it's just... Look, nobody wants their Christmas ruined. But remember, if you do happen to symptoms and end up positive, you want to ensure you don't ruin it for others. And also that you're safeguarding those who are at risk, because we know that most of us will be lucky if we're vaccinated, we're going to be protected from serious illness. But there are those who aren't vaccinated for all kinds of reasons, either by choice or for medical reasons, or who have had the vaccine, but they still remain at risk. And we've got to protect those people. So I think Limit your contacts, wear masks when you're out and about and do the antigen test before you're gathering.
0: And if you want to get rid of your mum and dad at some point on Christmas Day, throw open the windows wide and say, it's time to ventilate the place, folks. Off you go now. Thank you very much. Ilona Duffy and Liam Fanning, thank you both very much. Let's take a break.